It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, if the minister is so confident that the, that the model that has been chosen is fair and is going to be fair for all students, then there's no good reason why she wouldn't publish it. And we've been looking for this to be published for May. Um, but she has refused to do so. I think that's an awful pity. The other big concern I have is, you know, the approach that's been chosen. And again, like, I mean, look, it's not the one that we favoured, but, you know, timeframes are tight. Obviously, it's Monday now that this is coming out, so there's only so much that can be done about it. But the concern I have is that this is going to push the point up. Uh, and that's, you know, that can be addressed. Because it was uh, in the papers uh, during the week, wasn't it, that they, they, they think that a lot of the higher grades... There will be a lot of higher grades awarded by teachers that will get through and that will bump up the college points. And the thing about college points is once they go up, they tend to stay up. Well, like, I mean, I look, I mean, I suppose next year's leaving stuff is going to be different again. And I'm not sure it's not necessarily going to be the same as the ordinary leaving stuff, but it'll be different from this year's. But the big concern is, look, I mean, obviously it needs to be an equal playing field between everyone who studied the leaving stuff this year. My big concern is for people who did the leaving stuff last year, the year before, the year before that, um, they are going on the points that they got in that year when the points weren't as high. I think there's solutions that can be found for this, that they would be judged on the points in their given year and places allocated to them on that basis or an average across a number of years. But we need to be fair to those students as well. And the Minister hasn't addressed that. And I know the students in Cork who are in that category, uh, a lot of them have contacted me. I've been trying to raise this to the Minister. I really do believe this can be solved. This is not beyond... uh, the there isn't much time because the, the, the results are out Monday and the CAO I think is it the following Monday? Um, yeah, look I mean I think I think it may be a bit later than that for the CAO but there's only about a week and a half in it um, so like I mean time is tight it doesn't need to be sorted from Monday that's the results but it does need to be sorted out for the first round we, I raised it twice in the dial with the Minister during the week and look I'm trying to be constructive I've offered her solutions I've offered her ideas about how I I genuinely do believe that this can be resolved, but the minister needs to start taking it seriously. Uh, so far, she's been dismissing it. I am worried that there will be a big injustice done to people who did the leaving search in previous years, and even for this year's leaving search, like we don't have full transparency yet. So I'm not totally confident, albeit the situation has improved, because I think the potential for discrimination on the basis of class, on the basis of where you went to school, or the results that school got in the past because of pressure from ourselves and from students and from many organisations that is now gone, I welcome that but we still don't have the full picture PJ and I am a little nervous about that I think the Minister should have published the model uh, she should still publish the model and she should also give out 
in the interest of transparency, they're going to give out the the adjusted grade that the department gives out on Monday, but they're not going to give out the grade that the school gave until the following week. So, like, is there an element of trying to hide from controversy in that? I don't know. Um, but students won't be in a position to compare. What Plus, hasn't she told them to destroy all the paperwork? Well, again, look, I mean, I think the foolishness of that has been uh, very clearly shown up by everything that has happened since and everything that has happened. <laughs> I, mean, um, I, I don't wish to be, you know, um, smart here, but we've got the Minister for Education saying destroy all the paperwork and we've got the pub keeping a list of what you had with your chicken and chips. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I think... <laughs> I'm putting I, I, one I, against the other. It might be unfair, Donoghue, but that's how people will see it. Yeah, look, I mean, I have to say, like, I mean, there are definitely elements of this latest proposals in terms of the pubs and restaurants that are, you know, that seem an awful lot of administration for in- information that isn't really that relevant. The point surely must relate to the contact tracing. That is important. Yeah. It is important that pubs know who's coming in and out the door. But, like, yeah. whether you had steak or they had a burger or whether yeah. you had fish, it's hardly... No, I, it just, I didn't want to go back down that line, but just comparing one with the other, that the, inf- the pubs want more and more information, and yet people can't find out it's, how on earth th- th- their grades are calculated. That has meant that the options available now are very limited. So, like, I mean, as I say... This is not the route that we would have chosen. Okay. The minister, progressively, and to be fair, her predecessor, John McHugh, they've closed door after door along the way. So that there is very little room for an over. But I hope that there is some. Uh, and I, like, I mean, the transparency is a key part of that. Um, but the other part of it is, look, we need to sort something out for the people who did the Leaving Cert last year and the year before and the year before that. It can be done. I have no doubt about it, but the, the department needs to start taking okay. it seriously. All right. OK, and we'll see what happens on Monday. Donoghue, thank you very much. That's uh, Sinn Féin spokesman on education, uh, Cork South Central TD, Donoghue O'Leary. The calculated grades are out on Monday, and I'm sure that, you know, we can pontificate about it here and the politicians can waffle about it wherever they do their waffling but at the end of the day the people who are really concerned about this and really worried about this and really don't know what faces them on Monday are the students we should probably catch up with a couple of them we'll do that next 1850-715-996 back to remember yesterday I spoke to Shirley who was at her wit's end, and I mean her wit's end, with Vodafone. We have news about that, and I'll give it to you before the end of the show. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Junction, Vickers Road, Supermarket, Solid Fuel Depot, and a self-service laundrette. Your one stop for everything. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. There's everything going through a Leaving Cert student's mind since about last February or March has been dogged with uncertainty. They didn't know whether the exams would happen. They didn't know if they would happen, what format they'd take. Then they, when they didn't happen, they didn't know what results would You know, it's just been a complete and total shambles for them and very difficult to get your head around it. We spoke to a few of these students back in May. Uh, Carrie, good morning to you. Hello, how are you? Hi, now we spoke to you. You're in St. Peter's in Passage West. You want to be an architect. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about what will happen Monday? Oh, I'm really stressed. I'm not going to lie, I'm stressed. And, like, it's holding the pressure. Do you know, like, do you know what I mean? Like, 
the pressure is in the air. <laughs> like, I honestly would prefer to, like, ride the living set. Like, yes, I would stress out, but I would stress out just for the moment because then I would have an idea of what grade I might get because I know how I wrote. But now it's just like, oh, my God, what, what am I going to get? Do you know what I mean? Like, like have you have you got any idea what the uh, what the grade you get on Monday not would at be all, based honestly. upon? Like, what, what are they basing not it on? Not at all. Like, I try not to think about it. Because every time I think, my heart is just beating like crazy. Um, like, it's really stressful. Like, I even talked to my friends and they said that it's way more stressful for yeah. us to, like, sit in the pressure than, um, like, write the living search. Yeah. Like you- because, like, as I said, you have an idea what you're going to get after writing the living search. Yes. Like, you know. If, if you'd set a set of papers in June... Well, you'd know how you did in your own heart. You'd know how you did or you'd have an idea exactly. how you did. But you have nothing. Exactly. Like if someone would tell me in fourth year that tests um, from fifth and sixth year are going to predict my living series, I would just laugh. I would not believe that, you know, because in school, obviously, you put effort, but you don't put it as if that will be the last time you can show off. Yeah. So um, it's really stressful. Um, and apparently like points got up for my friends and they even more stressed out and like even if they would want to write the living search in December like that's a joke because December is the middle of college year so they need to wait a year to go to college yeah. do you know what I mean it's, oh, it's has, it, has it been hard to get through the summer Carrie with this on your mind oh it, it was like tough I, like every time I would think about it it would just ruin my day <laughs> not gonna lie because then I would like on the back of my head it would still be on that day do you know what I mean like mm-hmm. it would be so stressful like now when I think about it I just have anxiety <laughs> yeah. so it's just horrible with the um, predicted grades because like we don't know what's waiting for us yeah and you've nothing you have no idea what like if you had gone in in June for example and sat to do maths which for an architect would be kind of important, I imagine. Yeah. You sat down to do maths and, and you know that paper two was a bummer and you're, yeah. you're sweating on it. At least you're focused on something. Exactly. But you're now exactly. focused on nothing. Exactly. And see, the stress, the old stress that I have through the um, time, like only would be on the few days of exams. But now I'm stressing out like yeah. every day. Yeah. And it's coming Monday, so I'm stressing out even more. Do you think you'll and sleep like, much the weekend? Talk. Hmm? Do you think you will sleep much over the weekend? Uh, definitely. Definitely. Or if not, I won't be able to sleep. I would just go go somewhere to walk, to that, like get the mind off because it's oh, stressful. Okay. Really stressful. All right. Well, look, all I can do is wish you luck. On Monday, oh, yeah. and I hope <laughs> I hope it all works out for you. And if not, look, will you will you sit the written ones if it doesn't work out? Well, I I don't think I will honestly. Yeah, because it's just wasting time, in my opinion. So what will you do if it doesn't work out like you're hoping? I'll just go to job, and just like wait. But see, with the um predicted grades like why are they in September like schools already started so if someone would want to be there um, yeah. they're not really able like they will start two weeks after school yeah. started yeah. so 
Will you, really will you talk to us on bad. Monday, Carrie? I will, yes. You will? will. Great. Yeah. Well, look, let us know what you plan on Monday morning and, and we'll talk to you. And I'd love to talk to you when you've got them in your hand and you know what's going to happen. Okay? Yeah. Perfect. And best of luck to you. That's Carrie. That wants to do architecture. She's in Passage West. Has absolutely no idea what she's facing on Monday morning. I cannot... I remember to this day, and it's not yesterday, and it's not the day before. I remember you know, breaking it, absolutely breaking it in the days running up to my leave insert. I'm sure Deirdre does. I'm sure anyone who did the leave insert in any number of years, maybe five years, ten years, twenty years ago, I'm sure Fergal does. We all remember what it was like breaking it, coming up to your exams or your results. But we knew we'd written something down. I mean, these poor devils, they, they don't know what it's being judged on. Rory Fitzpatrick uh, you now you're in Christians, Rory, and you're hoping to do biological, chemical sciences, or nutritional science in UCC. How do you feel about it all? Good morning. Um, I'm not as not as nervous as I thought I'd be. To be honest, I think it's uh, so much time has passed that it doesn't really feel like I'm getting results. So it's kind of how do you mean? Like uh, it's been so it's been kind of three months or so since we were supposed to believe in self. Uh. and it all kind of feels like. Uh, it kind of feels feels like it doesn't matter that much anymore. Mm. Obviously, you want to go onto UCC and do. Oh, well. obviously, yeah. yeah. It's so, not that the not the results don't matter. Just it feels like feels like it's not really real. Yeah, yeah. But I guess when you get that piece of paper on Monday, and what's in front of it in front of you will determine whether you get your place in college. That'll make it kind of real, won't it? Yeah, yeah, it definitely will. Uh, if I don't get the pe- place, though, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Are you at all worried about how they're being calculated? Um, I wouldn't say um, worried, more confused, because there's a lot of, like, the, like I've heard lots of rumours on different, uh, like, I'd nearly call them penalties for, like, different different people uh, taking, getting the results on how the results would be amended. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what kind of points would you need to do the course that you want to do? Um, I would need probably uh, probably 500 at least. But um, and I, don't, I don't know will I get that because I know my pre's didn't go well for me at all. Yeah. And uh, I have no idea how it's been calculated on that. Yeah. That's the point. You've no understanding. Like Carrie was saying that if she'd sat and done an exam in June... And she'd have some idea what to expect. But you didn't do that. Yeah, no. We've we no clue. Could go anywhere. Yeah. So will you talk to us Monday? Yeah, definitely. All right. And look, the very best of luck. Cheers. <laughs> what do you plan to do for the weekend to pass the time? Have you been working or stuff over the summer? Yeah, I've been working down in, um, down in Funky Town in Fenstown. Uh, oh, great. Uh, selling kayak, or not selling kayaks, renting kayaks. Yeah, great. Brilliant. Good man. All right. Well, look, um, have a good weekend and get the best that you can out of it. And we'll talk to you Monday, all right? Yeah, cheers. Cheers, Rory. 1850-715-996. They literally have no clue what they're facing. They really have no idea what they're facing. We will talk to some of them on Monday. This whole thing has been a mess. And you've got thousands of young people Monday getting a piece of paper into their hand that will determine what happens to them for the next number of years 
and they have no idea how these figures were calculated. Like, how can that be fair? 1850-715-996. How can that affect their... How can their well-being be what it should be in the midst of all that? How can our well-being be what it should be in the midst of this pandemic anyway? And there's been a major survey done on our well-being by the good people at Leia Healthcare. We'll find out more about that next. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette. Now at the Junction Vickers Road. Every day washing and drying, done within an hour. Selfservicelaundry.ie This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833969696. On Cork's 96FM. So a survey was carried out uh, of a thousand employees and their employers across the country in all sectors of industry and business. Sinead Pruz is from Leia Healthcare. Sinead, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. What were the key findings? People are nervous about going back to work, are they? Yeah, they are. I mean, it was very important for us uh, to really understand this at a national level, given that that we're we're providing health and wellbeing supports to over 2,000 companies in Ireland. And it was important to understand that both for the employer, but also the employee point of view, right? And they are nervous, but you can understand that. And I think what was interesting from the research, PJ, was a third of employees are uh, in that at-risk group uh, where they would have those underlying conditions, be it asthma or cardiac issues. So they're going to have that extra nervousness or anxiety as well. What's in store for me? What is is my employer doing to ensure my health and well-being? These are people who've been working from home or indeed furloughed or on a COVID payment since March, say, and they're due to come back soon and they really have no idea what lies ahead of them. There's, there's a certain element of that, but I think it's right across the board. I mean, you've got to, like, this has been unprecedented, right? We, well, I certainly haven't lived through a pandemic, right? So it's going to create an extra sense of anxiety and nervousness because you're on high alert. Um, even if you have been lucky to keep your job or you, you have been, you know, um, you know, thankfully healthy and you haven't had COVID, all of the restrictions that are put in place, and rightly so, uh, for social distancing and extra hygiene measures, that's not normal as a person. You know, when you see somebody, you want to embrace them, you want to hug them. Um, we've got to be cognizant that that's not really something that we can do. So I wouldn't say there was any particular sector in particular, but I think it's that it's that anxiety about the fact that the routine is changing. You know, kids are going back to school now. So that's another thing that people are, are thinking about and, and, and having to, to worry. You know, they may be worried if, if, if a child gets sick. So... <sighs> It's not any sector in particular, but I do think we've just just got to learn how to live alongside COVID-19 and mm. realise that it does make an impact on our well-being. Well, if you look at it, going right back to the 12th of March, where the Taoiseach gave that address in Washington, D.C., and it started, and it just got worse and worse and worse, and we were home for, locked, locked up at our homes for, for weeks on end, and we still have many restrictions on our lives. And you stand there sometimes and go, God almighty, is this our life now? Yeah. A lot of people are actually struggling. And you came up with four out of ten people are struggling to deal with the impositions of COVID-19 on their lives. 
Yeah, that's true. So now bear in mind that the research was done in July and I think at that point in time there was that, like, let's, please God, let the schools go back. You know, even if the pubs don't open and, you know, social life doesn't get back to what it is or, you know, big sports and big events, let, let's hope the schools go back. So hopefully we'll see a bit of, of you know, normalisation there. But I do think it's more the, the fact that even though people are living with this, only one and two are really seeking help, right? They're not asking for help. And it doesn't have to be a healthcare expert by any means, but it's just reaching out to a friend, a family member, a colleague that they can trust. And and also only one in 10 getting that expert help, especially from a mental health point of view that they need. So that's definitely a concern and, mm. and, and cer- certainly something that can be addressed. There have been predictions um, from many people, many commentators, that apart from the physical health uh, that brought upon us uh, the, you know, the physical imposition on health of COVID-19, the death and the illness, the mental health toll will be the next thing. Is there, and there's there's evidence of that in the survey, isn't there? There is, yeah. So if you if you look at, I mean, a third of a third of 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 of, of those surveyed, and that would be nationally representative, have already transitioned back to the workplace. A third are in that space where they're preparing for it. And about 10th aren't going to go back onto next year. And what we're seeing is it's kind of that social isolation that can happen or can manifest with not being able to properly manage or risk assess a remote workforce and being cognizant of the fact that the working environment is very different. Even if you're not going back to the physical workplace and you're working at home, that's also a very different type of working environment for people. So it's just, you know, keeping that in mind and, and, and realising that that is something, that, that welfare of people is something that needs to be considered. Yeah. Also, people have taken, a huge number have taken no sick leave at all since this all started. Are they afraid to? Yeah, no, that's, that was a really, we found that not alarming, but if you think it was about 80% who hadn't taken any sick leave. Uh, since uh, since the Taoiseach's annou- announcement, as you said, in, in the US uh, on the 12th of March. Are they afraid to? It's a very good question. Maybe some of them are. Maybe some of them fear that they might lose their jobs. And we certainly see that coming through more in uh, some of the manufacturing sectors where they do have to go into work, uh, even though they might be well, but they don't want, you know, they don't want their employee to think that they're not fit for work. They are, but they might be slightly ill. I think another thing is, is, when you're working remotely, that kind of, you know, the effort that it takes to get up in the morning, have your shower, put on your clothes, go into work, engage with your colleagues, that effort isn't required. So you mightn't really be feeling well, but you'll say, you know what, I'll log in and I'll do a few emails. And before you know it, you've done a day's work. And you might not be feeling well, but you're not Correct. going to say anything to anybody for fear there you go. That it could be COVID and for fear that your boss might not pay you, you for go. two weeks to quarantine. And you yeah, come and across that as a fear. That's it. that's exactly it, PJ. You hit the nail on the head. And it's that kind of, you know, you mightn't be well, but there's also, it's that fear, but there's also nobody there meeting you in the office going, commercial aid, you don't look great. <laughs> Would you ever, is there something wrong with you? You know, that's that wellness that you, you get through uh, mental well-being support programs or, you know, first aid responders, mental health ambassadors, which a lot of our companies would have established, they're not there anymore physically to be able to see those signs either. So it's very much left up to the individual and the individual's own feelings of wellness 
that will dictate that. Yeah, because you're when you're, I mean, I, I just can only speak of where I work, which is here for many, many years, longer than anyone cares to remember. This is my second family. Yeah. And there are members of my yeah. second family I haven't seen since the middle of March. And, and that, that's a support network that you only realise what it's like when it's gone. It's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. And it's, I suppose that's, that's a difficulty also for employers, right? It's, it's, it's a fear and a feeling that you have, right? So you miss that, that social wellness, as we call it. But it's also to the employer saying, well, how do you try to, to put those supports in place? How do you understand how that's impacting on the welfare of your employee? There is a, there is a you know, there is an onus on the employer as much as, re- as is reasonably possible to ensure that that's not impacting negatively on you. So, um, you know, that, that, is, that is a very good point, yeah. So how will all this information be put to use by Leia? Yeah, so we have, uh, we have a, a panel discussion, actually, that, that's going to air on the 14th of September. And I will be on that joined with an employment law expert, uh, with a counselling psychology expert and also with an occupational health expert. And it's really to talk through these findings and also just to give some practical tips and advice about all the expertise that is available because there's tons of it there, PJ. And it's just also for business owners and the HR leaders to realise, you know, they have great expertise in, you know, building teams and culture and and creating policies and obviously remuneration and benefits. But this is about health and well-being and uh, it's it's a different ballgame. Because I know, happen to know of people in my own circle who are working from home and absolutely hate it. (laughs) Hate it. And it's not because of children or anything. They just... This isn't my office. I want to go to my office. I want to work with go. my computer on my desk with my stuff, you know, and I want to meet my workmates and my friends. And I hate working at home. And then they're told by their boss, well, that's going to be the way until the new year. That's that's not easy. No, that's not easy. And it's tough. And if it's possible for the employer, and I think that would be probably you know, one of the key things that's coming out uh, from the research as well, if it is possible for the employer to give a choice to employees to be able to return to the workplace, even if it's just for two days a week, that is a great position to be in, you know, because for those people who do say, you know, I just want to get out of the house, I want to go to work, then they still have that anchor point. They still have, the, you know, they know, okay, next week I'm going to be in the office for three days. So if they have to work remotely, they can kind of stomach the other two. All right. Listen, great talking to you. And it's a very interesting set of findings. That's Sinead Bruce, Bruce from Leia Healthcare. You're listening to highlights from the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. To hear the full show, download the podcast from iTunes or see 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. A lot of people are glad that we're touching on the issue of well-being and that we're talking about the leaving certs as well. Carolyn, for example, says, thanks for mentioning the leaving certs, PJ. We as parents are very worried too. Uh, Kevin says he wasn't this nervous with the first one's leaving cert results, but this one has him in the nuts. I wasn't this nervous and I don't have anybody waiting for leaving cert. I wasn't this nervous about my own leaving cert as I am for the young people getting theirs on Monday because they've no idea what they're dealing with. On, on well-being, I'm just listening about health and wellness 
What about all the people that worked in the medical factories throughout the pandemic? Where I am, my employers are not great support. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Employers who are not being supportive are, are, are not helping. Uh, and there's a lot of them out there. Valerie says, I'd love to meet anyone who wants to sit in traffic going to and from work. They'd need their head examined. The pros definitely outweigh the cons on that one. Winter frosty walks on icy paths. Please, as if they want that as an alternative. In other words, the traffic. Do you know what? I don't know, Valerie. I don't know. I could. We were set up initially. It never had to happen. Thankfully, it never had to happen. But we were set up initially that I could have done this show from home. I never wanted to do it. I always wanted to keep coming in here, meet my team, work with my team. I never wanted to do it from home. And thankfully, it never came to that. But I know a lot of people are stuck at home doing their job and hate it. Just hate it. Uh, They feel trapped. Caroline says, I just want to leave a comment in relation to the topic of mental health. My daughter just started in secondary school during the week. She was physically sick going in. God love her. The children have spent nearly six months at home being protected by their parents and then shipped off out to secondary school with no preparation whatsoever says Caroline 1850-715-996 text to whatsapp 083-396-9696 the email is opinion at 96fm.ie on the topic of of mental health you know look I've said this before and I'll say it again and some callers have said it when we're talking about uh, during the the various topics to do with COVID-19 I hate this I hate what 2020 has done to our lives to our work to our families, to our country. I hate it. I'll get on with it because I've got a good job, good conditions, you know, good employers, I've got a good family around me, you know, we're nice and solid at home in Coogan Towers, but I hate it. And, I, and I'm openly, openly saying that, and anybody else who wants to say it is quite welcome to share it. Let us go back to our main topic conversation from the first hour. That was the new rules regarding pubs and restaurants. And this was a, a line that emerged yesterday in new guidelines to the pubs and restaurants. Businesses and services must also keep a record of the substantial meals ordered. And food and beverages, of course, must be consumed at a table. So from tonight, if you go for a bite to eat and, and, and a couple of drinks, uh, the, the pub will have to keep a record for 28 days of what you ate and presumably what you drank with it. And if something should emerge that they have to hand those records over, they've got to be able to do so. Otherwise, they could face sanctions under the very strict restrictions brought in. Is it a case of Big Brother watching what you eat and drink? Or is it just another way of making sure that the premises and you are sticking to the regulations? Ernest Cantlins with Electric and Sober Lane. Ernest, good morning. Hi, PJ. Thanks for having me. Are they onerous, Ernest? Um, I, I suppose we're we're spoiled in that we are um, electric and sober lane, particularly electric. It's always been a very food facing business, so I suppose just to, the difference that it will make to to my business, particularly, is negligible because when you over ninety percent of our bookings are online at the moment, so when you go to our website, you book into electric, that already assigns you to a table, and then through our till system, just so we know where the food is going. Like it's it's not nothing to do with these regulations, but just the way our business works. We order your food, the docket goes up to the kitchen, you come down and you pay. But it means we all re- we have a trail, you know, on our system of what table you're on, what you ordered, your phone number because of your booking and all that kind of stuff. So for us, 
it's information we already have. However, if, if somewhere isn't food focused, like most of the pubs who have made an effort to get into food business at mm-hmm. great expense by putting in kitchens or, or coming up with arrangements for neighbours, um, it's expensive software to invest in. You got There's a huge amount of training involved. Yeah. You have to uh, pay a monthly subscription. So it's, um, it's just another barrier for pubs who are saying, okay, I'll try and play by the rules. I'll start serving food. You know, it's make it harder and more expensive to comply. Yeah. Um, like if I go into you and yeah. have a meal today, and yeah. uh, you, you obviously I'll, you, when I make my, when I place my order, there's a record yeah. kept of everything I order. Is is yeah. it another layer of paperwork for you to keep that, so that if someone wants to look at it, they can look at it? It isn't because I could probably tell you what you had for lunch in electric ten years ago. I putting in PJ into our system, and all the PJs will come up. And then I pick you, and then it says, these are your last six visits, and these are the tables you sat at. Just because we're set up that way anyway. Yeah. So rest, it, it's much easier for, for restaurants or pubs that serve food. But it's a big barrier and, and an investment for pubs that have been closed for five or six months already uh, to make. Um, and and uh, like it, it would be totally alien to a lot of pubs, I think, because pubs don't work like that at all. Yeah. Um, which is some of the term, I guess. You know, you, you, I think you always know in advance you're going to go for a meal, but one of the beauties of going for beers, it's a sunny day, you finish work, and you just decide to go for one. You yeah. know, so... Spontaneity, so that, uh, which is yeah, gone. that's the whole, the whole charm of it, which is, which is a killer, because that's, you know, some of the best nights out are even most enjoyable pint ball the cider on a sunny day or had, as you said, a spa, uh, with spontaneity, or, mm. you know, unexpectedly you, you meet someone or you're celebrating a good day or whatever. So, um... It, as I said, it's just another expense and barrier to yeah. to pubs that are trying to get open and comply. I'm, the, I'm lucky. The, in that the argument we're, we're seems to be, Ernest, sorry to come across you, the, yeah. the argument seems to be, according to the Minister for Health, that it'll protect the licensed premises that are complying with the guidelines because they can prove that they sold both food and drink. Now, we've had calls and messages here, look into this pub, look into that pub. You'd be surprised at what you'd find. Yeah. to restrict people who are flouting the law by doing this. Is that fair? I, I, I don't see it. I Look, I, I'm in town, uh, our place room five nights a week, so I can't be in town every night, but I'm in town those five nights. And I have colleagues, and everyone is, is playing ball. Because um, I, I, I don't even think it's the threat of being caught for whatever that means. I think it's just that's what customers expect, and they people are buying into it. They now know that we're going out. And you do occasionally say get people to come in and say, look, I've already um, eaten and we say, well, you know, would you like to have desserts? Or, you know, we try and come up with a solution for them. Yeah. But invariably, 99% of people are buying into it. So, so there isn't this great demand for, I think most people, it's always people are getting into the masks. So that changed a few weeks ago. I know you have to wear a mask when you're getting up and going to the toilet. A lot of people are doing that anyway. And it's more as a courtesy to the... Is, is that the in, in the regulations now, Ernest? Do you have to do that? It's, in the, it's a guideline as opposed to regulation. So it's a bit okay. different as opposed to what was just brought out. Um... But so so for us, you ask we ask you to wear your mask until you get to your table. You, at your table, you take it off and you enjoy chatting to your your friends and your group. But if you're going to the bathroom when you're leaving, if you put the mask back on, and then um, most people are doing it anyway. And you no, know, we just have you know it's clearly signed. Yeah. Uh, we have masks. Some geez, I forgot to bring my mask. No problem. Here's one in a clean packet, and off you go. You know, like so um, after a day or two of inconvenience, both customers and staff just get into the flow of it. Yeah. But this is a tricky one because. Um, like most pubs have been the same for a very long time. You know, you wouldn't associate pubs with being uh, innovative or tech savvy. And I mean that in a good way, because people don't want them to be. You know, yeah. you spend all day in front of a computer screen, whatever. You just want to go and have a good pint of ice stool. And um, it's just kind of another barrier um, of inconvenience. Or, or yeah. I don't know what the opposite to hospitality is, but the, 
this seems to be but it. I, 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 I just, on a purely possibly. personal level, what yeah. bothers what bothers me, and maybe I think you hinted at it too, is the little bit of spontaneity that's gone out of it all. Yeah. The bit of, do you know what? I'd murder a pint. Yeah. And that's gone. That's yeah, gone. And you know, did, yeah. if, if someone had said to you a year ago, Ernest, that this is how we'd live now, what would you have said to them? It's bizarre. Look, pubs have always been a regulated industry. There's licensing laws and, you know, you, you pay by them. You can only open certain times. You can only sell certain products. You can close certain pubs. So, so we're used to, um, you know, rules and a certain format. But the good thing is, though, they probably haven't changed in 100 years. You know, like, and that's why Irish pubs are are different to anywhere else in the world. I genuinely believe that. We've got some crackers. But you see, I just saw on Facebook now places like Sinead and Mutton Lane and Albany's pubs are reopened, which are, I think, some of the best the country has to offer and um but I, I think so I saw they're doing trap music in, in the Sine, which I think is you know, they're getting back to being as close to what uh what a pub was and what mm. we want it to be, I think what we need it to be. Um for for our own sanity and for tourism and just not to have a country with the spoons, uh uh yeah. to be honest. Um and as you said like that spontaneity, it's different to planning going out for a meal. It's the ability just to, to do that. Yeah. Or you know, we say go for half an hour and then suddenly there's a good soccer match on and you stay yeah. or, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know all that data that you have that you said to me, you could yes. tell me what I had six months ago, which is, that's yeah. fine for you to have. But what people are nervous about as well is like, if you are asked to hand that over to the authorities for some reason and, you know, that you keep it, yeah. are you concerned at all about where that information might end up? Well, it's, it's funny in that one. I, I'm not too sure who is entitled to ask for that information. Um, and also, uh, we spent all of last year trying to get GDPR compliant. So we um, uh, just thought it was already on our system. Obviously, we'd be the big problem at the moment is with deposits and credit card numbers. So, you know, trying to figure out how to, to handle them. But GDPR seems to have gone out the window. You know, like, so it's frustrating that, and don't get me wrong, I think the pandemic's entirely different. Uh, to red tape like that but has that suddenly gone away do, do we disregard those regulations and this is the new thing will there be different rules next year you know more barriers to um to business i just one thing i would say is that i i've bought into the regulations and the guidelines that they have come along while it's frustrating to close that bit earlier i understand some of the logic with this i understand the sixth uh, group it's it's inconvenient and it's not conducive to to business but i do get it but with this, I just feel the system was working. It was a really good relationship with the guards. They were calling in. They asked you your question. They did spot checks, which I have no problem with. And it it seemed to be working. You know, like, so I just don't understand what this um, need. And I know there was lots of hoo-ha about this place, Berlin D2, whatever the name was, in, in Dublin. But, yeah. like, how many thousands of hospitality businesses are in the country versus one, you know, Instagram video that obviously just went viral. And people said, oh, my God, pubs and restaurants are gone mad. Mm. You're around town as much as me, Pete. I don't. I just don't see it. You know, I think people are. There's, there was always people who broke the rules. There mm. was, you know, after hours. Or no, you're, 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 you're not wrong. You're, you're, you're not. Yeah, you're not wrong. Ever since the the pubs and restaurants reopened, you know, just yeah. to support the businesses that I know and like, I've tried to eat, even if it's only a flipping breakfast. I've tried to go out yeah. to some place at least once every weekend, and lucky to be able to to afford it. I don't see any messing going on. Be quite no, frank, I, but I don't. I think also I'll be blunt. Even from a business de- uh, decision, the risk of reputational damage of being the the place that's known for floating the rules, I think just just would be devastating. Like even that is a stick. Uh, like you have the carrot of minding your staff and minding yourself and minding your customers but the stick you don't want to be the place that that 
is known for not playing by the rules are parents that thought you don't want to be the place where a COVID outbreak happens. You know, so there's lots of reasons, good and bad, to play by the rules. So mm. it's frustrating then when they get increasingly hard to buy in. Um, particularly at a time, it, it, maybe this is exaggerating, but it looks like they're kind of gearing up to allow wet pubs to open, but they want to make sure that there's as many barriers to prevent them to, you know, uh, in place in the same place so it's not worth their while or it's harder to, like, you know, instead uh-huh. of making the brave decision, letting them open and... Um, like trusting them like they have with food businesses like you know mm. well keep keep up the good work I know someone Thank was in, in Soberlane recently Thanks. and reminds me that the food in there is as good as ever Thanks very much Ernest uh, from Soberlane and Electric the, the, the rules is the rules he's already keeping loads of information Tom says it seems to me just a civil service device to check that pubs are complying with the rules Michael if pubs are not following current guidelines properly already they're not going to bother with this either if asked, they could always have a generic list of meals served. This just hurts the businesses who are doing their best to comply. They're doing a great job, and as a customer, I'm grateful for the businesses who are keeping the ball rolling and giving life back to the city. Don't make the job even harder for them. Then, Michelle, and I said I haven't seen any messing going on, and I haven't, be 100% honest with you. Michelle had a family christening at the weekend and went to her local for a booked meal. Uh, after it, there was a group of there was a group of 25. Okay, well, you can't do that anymore now, Michelle, but you had a group of 25 booked in for a christening, a meal after a christening. Okay. There was loads of people sitting up at the bar, half cut. Well, that's not allowed. Then another group was thrown in right on top of them. Michelle has COPD, and she was terrified. She won't be going anywhere again. The other group was bigger than theirs, and they were falling around the place. She couldn't even go to the toilet in the pub without going through a big gang, which I guess is exactly what the rules are there to avoid, Michelle. So you can see why that's a problem. Just on working from home, I absolutely love working from home and would love to continue. I have an extra three hours a day to myself because of travel time. It's brilliant. Okay. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette, now at the Junction Vickers Road. Open every day to save you time and money. Selfservicelaundry.ie This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. A lot of talk about the restaurant-style pubs again today. Uh, They're the ones who are trying to deal with the the new rules. But there's hundreds and hundreds of other pubs that are not open yet and really have no idea when they're going to be open. They were originally open, or supposed to open, on the 10th of August. Then that came and went. Then the 1st of September came and went. Then the 13th of September will come and go, and now we hear that they might not be open until October. Some people predicting that the, the wet pubs, as they call them, I don't know where that stupid name came from, by the way, won't open, they won't open un- until nearly Christmas, if at all. Why is wet pubs a stupid name? It is a stupid name. It never existed before this. They're public houses. That's all they are. One of them is Costigan's, and uh, hasn't been open for... Since when, Colm? Good morning, Colm O'Connor. How are you, PJ? Thanks very much. Uh, I'm actually open since 29th, thank God. Oh, you got open, did you? Good. We opened first, yeah, uh, at the start, but I suppose I kind of was making the plea for 
on behalf of pubs that aren't open. Yeah. Like, you didn't... Did you have a food offering normally, or did you... Um, yeah, thank God. Like, we were lucky. We've always had food behind the bar, toasted sandwiches, world famous. Yeah. Um, and we also had a deal ongoing with Four Star Pizza. Right. But now, now that is a very, very strong deal. Yeah, yeah. In that everyone is having Four Star Pizza. Yeah. And And... <laughs> Is it viable to be doing it? Uh, your, your premises is small. Your numbers must be very small. Yeah, we've lost a lot of capacity. Uh, is it viable? It's very hard to tell at the moment. I think any publican will tell you that. It's open. You've had wage subsidy schemes for two months, which has changed this month. You've had restart grants. So really, we won't know the viability of our business until we're into November, I feel. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a lot to be. You'll you'll have a change in the staycations gone. Obviously, kids back to school now, which would obviously have been always a turning point for us. So yeah, we've a lot of figuring out to do on our feet. But that's what we've always done. To be fair, yours is a family business going back how many generations? Yeah, Coskins is around a long time. I suppose we're in here six years, mm. and. Uh, I don't know, the tweet got away from me a small bit, I think. I'm not someone who does a lot of it. But uh, we'd have a tradition in, with the kids that when they were coming in for their checkups, I've always taken a picture with them behind the bar. It's just our, our last little girl was uh, six months behind the other two boys, I suppose. So I just felt it was a nice tweet to put up. Cause I, I, I feel when we're listening to a lot of conversations on the media, when pubs seem to be faceless um, when people are talking about them but behind every pub is a publican with a family generally and, mm. and people to support and you know driving to and from work or whatever the case may be I've picked up different things on the radio and uh, it just it felt like pubs were treated impersonally mm. and we're anything but really because we're all about personality and trying to create a safe environment no matter what uh, year it is, or pre-COVID, post-COVID, yeah. we always wanted a safe environment for people to come in and enjoy themselves. And Do you think you know, pubs are getting, getting the rough end of it because of the fact that case numbers are back up again? Yeah, like, I, I don't... A, a, a lot of... I can understand a lot of points that were made you know, especially at the start where we shut down ourselves and I think we did the right thing. But, like, just throwing out another message, another regulation yesterday about us having to keep records of food when there's no regulations of an off-license or a house party. And I'm not against off-licenses by any manner of means. But, like, you know, you can't go into a pub anywhere in the country and buy 24, Euro, 24 pints for 20 euros, mm. and no one's going to tell you, that's fine, work away. Mm. You know, but we, we're in a controlled environment, and we always have been. As I said, pre-COVID, post-COVID, it made no difference. We've always refereed the match. Um, and that's what we want to do. I don't want to come into an unsafe environment. Yeah. You know, I don't want my staff to come into an unsafe environment. So I, I do think... I do think they're getting scapegoated almost. You know, people, I, I think Ernest was on there. You didn't even know that there was new guidelines in for mask wearing. Pe 
you know, the government don't tell us. Well, I kind of knew it was being considered, but it, it happened so so quickly that, it, you know, I was out last weekend and nobody asked me to wear a mask, go to the toilet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's very hard for us to enforce. But do I have to this weekend is the question. It's, it's As Ernest said, it's a guideline more than a regulation. What we do is when people make the booking with ourselves, we send them a list, a quick bullet point. Well, it's, it used to be quick. It's getting longer now these days of things that were recommended to do on entering and leaving and in Costigans. So we try and educate people that way. Yeah. But we don't. Like, you're, you're already walking into a, an environment where, you know, you're... You're not free to roam. You're not free to go chat table to table. If you see somebody, you can only barely acknowledge them and hope send, that send they them a text. <laughs> send them a text exactly. <laughs> so now we've to, you know, no PJ, you must wear your mask going to the toilet. You know, we we're customers too, and we realise what it's like. Yeah. To have to, to be curtailed. And, and the spontaneity, I think, Cullum, as well. The idea that a fellow yeah. might come into Costigan's there, a fellow and his girlfriend might come into Costigan's there at half a seven and order a couple of pints. And their plan is to head downtown. But you know what? I like the buzz in here. We'll stay for the evening. That's mm. gone. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a mad. It's something you, you touched on there with your interview with Ernest. And it's something that's playing on my mind a lot. Even for myself, you know, I would have been like to go out, uh, you know, have two pints, three pints, meet the lads and gone home. And I mightn't have organised it to meet anyone. I might have just rolled into my own local in Blarney and had a couple of pints and everyone was happy and went away home. That's gone. You know, and, and like going out for pints, the, the getting drunk part to me has always been a byproduct. I only went out to socialise, chat yeah. about the match, that yeah. kind of stuff. Maybe watch the match. Maybe definitely watch the match. Yeah, like the simple, simple thing. Can you? No, no, no. It's yeah. very hard to justify 1,500, 1,600 euros a month. How much, Colin? Yeah, that would be what you'd be paying. Most pubs would be paying for Sky. Wow. Yep. Like, what I'd love to do tonight now, the Munster, Munster Leinster, Leinster matches on. I'd absolutely yeah. love to go with a couple of lads down to a pub and have a couple of scoops and watch that. But mm. th- those days are gone now, for now anyway. Yeah, and I suppose I'd ask you the question, PJ, you know, it's something that hasn't been brought up while we're talking. You've talked a lot about the the new guideline or the new regulation of, of tracking food. And this might be controversial and it's not meant in that way. And it's not meant flippantly. But, like, is a chicken goujon going to stop me getting COVID or my staff or my customers or is correct sanitation (laughs) correct correct social distancing are they not the most important factors that any environment can and will provide isn't isn't that the whole argument that is made for the the so-called wet pubs which I'm after getting a lecture here from Fergal Barry about the term wet pubs I'll explain that in a minute Um, as usual he's right and I'm wrong but like that is, isn't that the argument of some of the well-run smaller pubs around the country? That, look, we'll, we'll follow rules on distance. We'll follow rules on numbers. We, we'll do all of that. Just let us try. Exactly. You know, as I said at the start, pre or post-COVID, 1920-2020, pubs have always refereed the match. It's been our job. 
you know, if you've had too much, sorry, my friend, time for you to head home. Or, no, I don't think you should have 14 vodkas right now. You know, it's just a different type of refereeing now. And a type of refereeing that we want to do. I want to be safe. I want to go home safe to my wife and three kids. Mm. I don't want to create an environment where I'm unsafe or my staff weren't safe or any of my customers are unsafe. And is a chicken goujon going to prevent that? Or is it going to enhance that safety? No, I think not. Well, I we, prob- you've probably heard it, and I've trotted it out here more than once. There, there is some kind of science behind it in that when you're eating a substantial meal, per se, you are not spreading droplets with COVID-19 in them. That's the theory. Okay. The theory. A, a theory in Ireland and not in Europe. There's that too. Cullum, I wish you the best of luck and to many other pubs like you, uh, the ones that aren't open yet, best of luck when they do. Uh, I found my niche, says this text. You could talk about pubs and pints all day. I, 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 no, I, no, I, no, that's not it at all. I just feel sorry for the pubs that can't open. Uh, I really do. Uh, yeah, um, I mentioned the wet pub thing and, and that I never heard any idea of a wet pub. I never heard of a wet pub in my life. I had just some term that had sprung out of nowhere in the course of the last couple of months. Apparently, uh, the font of all knowledge at the executive research desk, Fergal tells me a wet bar is a bar where the primary activity between customers is the cleaning of glasses. And it is a very old concept used in the licensing laws. Okay. Uh, nowadays, there's a lot of different things going on in a bar, but it kind of means the old style bar. And apparently, the term wet bar was there in the dim and distant past. And wet bars could never get a dance license. And that's how Fergus. Thank you, sir. As always, as always, you correct me when I need correcting. So it is there. The term. It just hasn't been used in a very long time. 1850-715-996. It's all to do with health and safety. It's called HACCP. Every place that sells food has to have that. They do. And as uh, Mr. Cribben from the Vintners was saying to me here one morning, you know, you can serve pub in any, or serve food in any pub that has a HACCP. The thing about it is you can't really open a modern pub now without a HACCP anyway. 1850-715-996. Talk to Willie next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Junction, Vickers Road, Supermarket, Solid Fuel Depot and a self-service laundrette. You're one stop for everything. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Willie, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How, How are, are you, we? sir? Always like to say. Good. Good morning, I had a good chat with Fergal there this morning, and I was on the book, when they were on the book, the food, like, that they should check that they had a receipt for food with the bear and the bear for that. Can the you point, get a bit you know closer to the phone, Will, if you wouldn't mind? Can you do that? I will, yeah. Can you hear me now? I can, yeah, go on. Yeah. Like, my, my opinion was, like, you're going to a bear, you have to buy nine or ten euros worth of food, and then you get a drink. Do you know this kind of way? Yeah. But what I said, the Fergal then was that, like, okay, we see if a fella goes over the weekend with his girlfriend and, uh, or his wife and they just went having a night out. And then they want to move from one bear to another, just going to small, crawl, like two or three bears. That means that they have to buy a meal in each bear. 
you know yeah. what I mean? That's pretty much what it is. And, and pre-book? That pre-book as well, you know what I mean? No, I mean, no, I'll be myself, please, you're a man, no, I'll say, I'll be honest with you, at the moment, the vibes are getting, like, everybody's wearing masks in supermarkets, even in betting shops and in chemists and things like that, you know? I know I've no shops. Everybody's abiding by the rule. No, I'm not even going to go down the road with the guys in Oakland with them up there, right? That's a different situation. But I think myself, there's no law, I'm just trying to bring out that they want to know that you have food on the table before you get a point or they want to see the receipt or anything like that. Or the people that own the property must have their, all the details of the receipt and their, how much it costs and all this kind of thing and maybe your phone number and your name on it. I think it's totally ridiculous, I'll be quite honest with you. Yeah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Let me know the way things are going with the people at the moment and the vibes I'm getting from people that I talk that it's becoming like a police state. That kind of a way. Yeah. That you must do what I tell you. You know what I'm saying? I suppose no, really we should we should remind ourselves, and it's important to do it, that a lot of people are living in fear of catching COVID-19 and when they hear you and me and others talking about pubs and meals and luxury items like that they sit back and they go don't you care about me don't you care about the fact that I'm afraid to go out why are you going on about pubs and restaurants I'm afraid to go out we must think of those people too yeah I know you've got to think of those people too as well PJ but a lot of that can be paranoia as well you know what I mean that they think if they're going to go they're going to get it right no one's fearing us right you can wear a mask, right? We say, go, go into a bed. You can't, you can't go into a bed and wear a mask and sit down and have a, a dinner. Unless you need a hole in the mask. You shove the food down your throat. You get me? I do. I do. No, well, what they want you to do now, according to Ernest Cantlin was telling me there a while ago, <laughs> that if you go in yep. now and sit down with your meal, you've got to have the mask near you so that if you want to go to the loo, you have to put it yes. on. Yeah. Well, I'm saying that, no, like, I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't find anything wrong with that. Yeah. Because toilets... Like toilets are the hygiene in the toilets and some of the toilets around the city before this pandemic were actually a disgrace. They were shocking. Yeah. I don't know whether you've ever came across them. I've been in many of them. You get more. You get more in the toilets than you never get COVID nineteen. It's true. You would because even they wouldn't even be they wouldn't even be more they wouldn't be hand washing the toilets at the time. You can't the water wouldn't even be hot. Yeah. The cisterns and the toilet bowls wouldn't even be washed. They'd be destroyed. Yeah. You get me? I do. So like where the toilets concerned. Top of the class with that, okay, wear a mask in the toilet, wash your hands after you do it, your business, anyway, whatever, you know what I mean? But this crack day, well, we're going to try some, wear the mask, go try, well, good, that's a good thing. But I'm saying this thing about the crack, that, oh, you must have a receipt for this thing, now. The thing what they should have not, they, they, they went about this all wrong. When, when pubs were left open with food being, being uh, served, the ordinary bear should have been left open as well for the simple reason the people that can't get into their ordinary pubs or their local bears are no good to pubs that are selling food just to get a point. So there's more going in there than there would be a whole bear for all. This is an argument that's commonly made, Willie, in that the fella who just wants to go and have a social point with his pal from down the road has no interest in food. He wants to have a point with his buddy Tony or his buddy Willie. Do you know, uh, uh, he, he's forced 
the crowds in the restaurant type pubs are bigger because the smaller pubs are closed. Exactly. No one's saying that as you just said this, which is a good point. The chapter wants to go with his own buddy during the week, yes. Maybe pensioners now or people nearly retired just went to bed and one or two pints or maybe a drop or something and they're no smoking and no chat just to socialise. Right? They're the kind of people that go out every night to have a meal or go to weekends to have a meal. Yeah. These people eat at home. They cook for themselves. Yeah. You get me? Yeah. None of this came into, none of this came into it. You know that kind of a way. This is my talking point about it. So when, one, when the bears were there to open without food, or with food, and the pubs that had no food couldn't open, I couldn't see the logic in it, where that if you go into a bear and have a meal at a point, you're not going to get COVID. But if you go into a bear and there's no food there, you're going to walk out to the door coronavirus. Yeah, the, the, it's, yeah it's, it's not quite as simple as that, but that's how a lot of people think. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thinking of all, most of the people haven't getting the voice from around the year, you know. It's crazy. <sighs> It's, it's getting a bit mad, all right. Willie, thanks as always. Good to hear from you, mate. 1850-715-996. I promised I'd tell you about Shirley. Do you remember Shirley was on yesterday? Uh, she's in Passage, and she's been having a nightmare with a mobile phone that she got from Vodafone six months ago. And she was toing and froing and back and forth and hither and hither and yon for the last six months. And she had a conversation with them on their messenger recently that just was the last straw. And she decided to contact the radio station. And she was on here with me telling her story from the start. And if you remember, you remember. If you don't, you don't. But the poor woman was at our wits end over a phone. Well, wouldn't you know it? She just messaged us this morning. Vodafone rang Shirley. She's getting a new phone and a new contract with a couple of little bonuses thrown in. It pays to give PJ a ring. Martin was talking about tonight. PJ, I'd love to go to the pub to watch the Munster match, but an hour and five minutes or 15 minutes isn't long enough. It's an hour and 45 isn't long enough. Yeah, And now there's a problem between Virgin and Air. So I can't get the game. Virgin not answering phone queries. Thanks, Virgin. You see, loads of people won't be able to see the match at all tonight because they won't have it at the home and they can't go to the pub just to watch the match. And it's annoying people. Uh, I can see more house parties or people giving the wrong details, uh, defeating the purpose of contact tracing. Nobody wants people to know their business. Nothing done about the meat factories in the meantime. Well, there are. There's a lot of testing starting, I think. It was in the papers this morning, but I do take your point. Uh, Caller says the bar owner's concerns are valid, but look, there's a pandemic on and there's no consistency between how they're all applying the rules. It's quite different at the start and the end of the night. And getting back to Cullum from Costigan's, uh, Kate was on to remind us that Cullum spent his time, and this should be commended, Cullum spent his time during lockdown helping out with Blarney Meals on Wheels and the COVID volunteer task force and good for him Eileen I'll come back to birds next week I want to get we might arrange to get our good pal Jim Wilson on about birds in, in people nesting in people's roofs because it's a bigger problem than you'd be inclined to think 1850 I think Mary might be the last caller one of the last calls of the day Mary good morning Hi PJ how are you this morning I'm well on pubs Yes um, I'm very cross like there's uh, I know there is a big um, push to get um, the remaining pubs open, um, but I, I think that the correlation between our health service, like we've had unprecedented trolley numbers again. 
this week in CUH. Okay. And there is always and always has been a direct relationship between our A&E and our pubs. Right. So putting pressure, opening the pubs and putting pressure back on, putting all that A&E um, using up the capacity to deal with the aftermath of pub activity is, you know, reckless and irresponsible. Our health, we have people who cannot, we haven't cancer screening back up and running. That needs to be prioritised. If there is one person who is not getting the medical attention they need, and that is not prioritised over opening a pub, it is we are failing people as a country. It is an absolute disgrace. We have a precedence for this. Do you remember Arthur's Day? I do. That ran for five years between 2009 and 2013. Mm-hmm. And year on year, there was a 30% increase in ambulance call-outs. Mm, I do remember Arthur's Day being wound up. And I hate to tell you, Mary, I was one of the people who thought it was a crazy idea. Yeah. To yeah. wind it up. Well, as Because I, I say, thought, you know what? Where's the harm in it? It was a night out for most people. And I'm, you see, I have this thing, it's like a life principle in me. I don't like punishing the many for the sins of the few. I, I don't either, but it is absolutely not fair to punish our health service at this point in time, okay, considering what point. they have put up with over the last while. And we don't know what, else, what waves of COVID and the flu and all that that's coming down the track mm. have. And the impact that will have on the numbers that are already out of... But you also, have, you also have house parties and you have Airbnbs yeah, well, and you well, have... Well, that's what I mean. The analysis needs to be done to see if the health service has the capacity to deal with... Has that reduced, like um, the Royal College of Physicians or whatever, part of the re- reason why um, Arthur's Day was wound up was that there was a doubling in liver... Um, yeah. failure it, or it became a problem it, it, it did indeed it did you indeed. know so um, it, it's you know we have to look at things and maybe when this is all over and when we do look back that we will look back and, and see my god we were healthier during that time we didn't have the alcohol you know that in 10 mm. years time people won't it's, have the alcohol related conditions though, that they haven't yeah, you, you know ha- you had a lot of people to be very fair who their only bit of socialisation is is the small and, and the small little pub that they go for a chat with their pal and maybe an old game of darts and and they'd never be in trouble and they'd never cause Absolutely. anyone to be sent to any and the pubs are closed that they usually go to they have no intention of going to have their dinner just to have a pint they are they are kind of being punished for the sins of the few as they well are, well it's not the sins of the few like kind of thing when you look you know when they're giving out about students in magazine road like what about the students that were in Washington Street on a yeah. Thursday night, and like kind of thing, too, and yeah. they were yeah. they were in their thousands. They weren't yeah. in their. Yeah. You know, Kevin, Kevin also makes the point, of course, though, that the health service is funded by 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 tax and pubs, so, and they so pay a lot of tax. Is, there is huge um, data out there that what is what is being caused by drink is not uh, our health service is you know given the longer term conditions yeah. around drink I'm not just talking about you know yeah. fixing so do, do you maybe think that the, the pubs that are open shouldn't be open anyway 
Well, no, I think, in fairness, I think if you're having a drink with a meal, it's different, you know, yeah. to having a meal with your drink. Yes. And that is the distinction that has to be made. That was the explanation given, that when you go to a pub that's a restaurant, you may have a drink with your meal. Exactly. But it's not, not the other way around. Drink. Exactly. A feed of pints and a bowl of chicken wings is not the same thing. Exactly. And or staying there, you know what I mean, definitely, um, I think, towards the end of the night, if they haven't more bookings coming in, pubs are definitely just leaving people. Sit down and relax. And in, in fairness, people... You know, most people aren't abusing that, and most yeah. pubs aren't abusing there's, that. There's an awful, yeah. there's an awful noise on your phone line. Someone's drilling into a wall next door. It's uh, this stage. Mary, thank you for that. Good, good, good call. Mary makes the point that if you open all of the pubs and the usual carry-on that you'd see in some pubs resumes, then you'll have a surge on the A and E. You'll have a surge on the trolleys. You'll have a surge on the health service. She makes her argument well. 1850-715-996. I love this. I think this is, this is probably the comment of the week, if I can find it. Uh, where is it? I was keeping it there. Uh, yeah. I'd love to work from home. I'd love to work from home. But the missus won't let me put the van into the front room. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette. Now at the Junction Vickers Road. Every day washing and drying, done within an hour. Selfservicelaundry.ie This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. A couple of things we didn't get to today. We never mentioned this story and it was quite significant. We were talking earlier in the week about, and last week, about who might replace Phil Hogan uh, in Europe as the commissioner and with all the arguments sending men and sending women and sending Simon Coveney and sending Moiraid McGuinness and sending whoever you're having yourself over. According to the Echo today, and this is interesting, Darry Birmingham writes that Simon Coveney will not be going forward to the EU commissioner's job. Uh, he won't be asking for his name. I won't be allowing his name to go forward. That's according to Des Cahill, Fine Gael councillor, speaking to the Echo. A lot of speculation surrounding Simon Coveney since the day Phil Hogan resigned. We'll see over the weekend. They're supposed to make a decision as to what names they'll put forward uh, sometime over the weekend. Uh, Michal and Leo and Eamon if, uh, are supposed to be meeting again uh, to, to do with that. So if we if we've more news, you'll hear it on the news bulletins across the weekend and we'll be talking about it here on Monday. Also, can I mention the Debenhams workers? Tomorrow, uh, Saturday, will mark 150 days on the Debenhams picket. They will rally outside all of their stores, including the Mahon Point uh, store here in Cork and you're asked to support your local store. Now, they have very kindly asked me uh, to go along to their uh, demonstration in Cork and and if I can make it guys I will I'm I'm honored to be asked um they say I've been very supportive from the beginning and they appreciate it well if I can make it I will and I really am chuffed and honored by the invitation that's Debenhams 150 days tomorrow that's it and thanks Dee thanks Fergal enjoy your weekend live within the restrictions wash your hands wear your masks keep your distance 
and we'll see you Monday just after nine. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 